Hey, this is Corey Gorechrist. This is Dr. Vincent West, medical doctor. And we have a very special Phantasm episode for you. It is our Horror Hound Weekend Rewind episode. It took place at the Sharonville Convention Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. It was past September 3rd through the 5th. And we'll be talking everything Horror Hound that you might want to hear. <clears throat> our opinions on stuff, what we thought of the convention, the guests... The dealer room, et cetera, et cetera, the photo ops, all that stuff. Yeah, we had we had a blast, and uh, uh, where would Phantasm be without a feature film? So we also have uh, we will be reviewing or more or less talking over uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Four: The Dream Master. Uh, they had a great panel uh, during the con that we went to, and you know, the cast reunion of the film. So we thought it was only appropriate that we uh, do that movie. And uh, hopefully you follow along wherever and whenever you do that. Um, and we also hope that you will consider attending the next Horror Hound Weekend, which will be March 25th through the 27th, 2022, also at the Sharonville Convention Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. Join us for the special episode. We've got fun. <clears throat> uh, we got the movie. Uh, we'll be talking about us meeting Robert England. Uh, it's very brief. It's very amazing. Uh, we'll be talking about everything that we did at the convention, uh, food, family, and fun on Fantastic. Absolutely. And uh, in advance, thank you guys for listening and checking it out. Go to HorrorHoundWeekend.com for tickets, hotels, facts, anything you can't find on here already. And uh, also follow their Facebook and Twitter for any guest reveals that will further entice you to go into their con. And... If you have anything for us, always, uh, there's no way to contact us. But always remember that Corey and I, we, we are, are ready, ready to believe you. What the fuck is up and welcome to the Phantasm Podcast. Corey Gorechrist with me, Dr. Vincent West. Why was there a universal logo on a farm rush I don't know, this is weird. Uh, I guess because we're watching on Peacock. Maybe I feel like Warner Brothers keeps selling off shit, and, and we'll get to that in a minute. I, I, I and like The Exorcist, I'll actually get to that during the sense because I want to talk about it with you at school, but because they, they sold. Warner Brothers literally sold The Exorcist and all its rights to Universal. It's weird. It's disturbing to me. That's a Warner Brothers picture, and it's like, but see, this is the kind of shit that happens when AT and T owns you. It's now true. they're owned. Now they're owned by like the fucking uh, which some weird ch- Discovery owns them now, and I'm like, weird. How does Discovery have enough money to own Warner Brothers and their comic books and movies and stuff? But whatever, I'm sorry. I'm, I'll get into that in a minute. We have a special episode today. We are doing a recap of our uh, time at Horror Hound Weekend uh, back in the beginning of September or in Cincinnati, Ohio, 2021. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, some of the shit we did, uh, people we saw, um, 
and uh, we got a pretty good feature film to uh, get this recap started. So, uh, Doctor, what uh, film do we have? Elmer Elm Street Part 4. There is no one more terrifying on the screen today. the first in fear <laughs> and you thought it was only a movie it's a brand new nightmare welcome to wonderland alice a nightmare on elm street part four the dream master rated r starts friday at theaters everywhere which is what they were uh celebrating at whorehound i haven't seen this movie in years i don't know about you no, it's been a while. I still don't understand the fucking Universal logo at the front of this because this is a Warner Brothers, which is New Line. It's really strange. Like I said, maybe since we're in a Peacock app, maybe that's why they have, they show it in front of it. I didn't notice that with other movies I've watched on here. If they've showed Universal in front of everything, since it's their app, I don't know. I don't know, but all, all I'm telling you is I don't. Something was going on, and I'll just dive right into this. So AT and T literally about ran Warner Brothers and DC Comics into the toilet. Yeah. And then Discovery Plus, or Discovery something, bought Warner Brothers and supposedly is promising to start fixing a lot of stuff that they fucked up. But, I mean, to tell you how goddamn dumb <laughs> the fucking god that they had from AT&T running Warner Brothers' home media department, he was threatening getting rid of, and I told you this six months ago, he was threatening to get rid of all their Blu-rays, all their 4K stuff, all their DVDs, everything. And there are people out there that probably listen to us that don't realize this. There are people that still buy physical media. You can actually Google right now Zack Snyder Justice League Blu-ray. It is the best-selling Blu-ray in this country. Yeah. Because people didn't want to pay for that goddamn app. So what I'm saying is there are people that still buy physical media, So, but this jackhole, this douche hole, this jackass, he's just like, you know, I like to stream everything. I'm going to get rid of all our physical media. And that's when there were people at Warner Brothers that were like, we've got to get rid of this asshole. Yeah. So not only did they flush him, they flushed everybody from AT&T. You want to talk about a dinosaur, if you use AT&T for anything, you're a fucking idiot. If you use DirecTV, you're a fucking idiot. Well, we've had like, on what, here... Uh, what, is, what is this? It's that, that, that technology's been dead for years. Like, there's so much better <laughs> stuff out there, like... and For fans you know, of the old I school Phantasm uh, episodes, if you've been following since day one, we appreciate you. But I'm pretty sure in one of them we had the infamous call that I had to make uh, for DirecTV... Whenever I had their service, and they they billed me for a a move uh, to switch my service, and they never came out to do it, and they still charged me the service for it. And, uh, yeah, because they came out a couple times, and they were like, uh, you know, they couldn't, there wasn't like a place for them to put the hookups for it, or the satellite, whatever they had to do, the dish. So they ended up not being able to actually install anything. They were just, they looked around and they're basically like, okay, well, sorry, but we're going to have to, you know, uh, there's nothing we can do. You're just going to have to 
cancel the service, and uh, that's that. Yeah, because you were trying to put it out of that house into that into that that apartment. apartment, And yeah. those people were Nazis. They weren't going to let you put a dish up there, right? Yeah, yeah. So the apartments, uh, you know, the apartment ruling was that you couldn't install anything like that, uh, and they, I think, knew that coming in, but they still try to like find some kind of, and I forget what they called it. They did some kind of like. We have to do an observational whatever, and they came out and looked at it, and they're like, "Yeah, that's not going to work." Sorry, I was like, "Okay, cool, whatever." Find somebody else, and they ended up charging me for the move and for the installation and all this shit. It was like two hundred some dollars right when I moved into a new place. So they, uh, you know, I had to call them for a while, like a few days in a row, and try to talk to somebody about getting this refund because they charged me full price for this shit that never happened. And I ended up like having... The mullets wearing a John Grigley skateboarding shirt, by nice. the way, too. And I ended up having to talk to a, a super higher-up uh, manager for them to finally refund me uh, on a gift card that took like an extra two weeks to get to me. You know, so... But one of the... I started recording the phone calls because they got so ridiculous and I was actually so fucking infuriated which doesn't it takes a lot for me to get infuriated especially in somebody over the phone like that so I was irate and so I, I uh, recorded it and it's on one of our Phantasm episodes I apologize I don't know exactly which one but it's it's on there somewhere it is in the lore if y'all want to go back and find it can start from the first episode and go on. Um, I mean, I guess I could pinpoint it by really looking at the time frames of the episodes, you know, because I remember what we what episodes we did in that house and what we did in the apartment, you know, started to do. So, weird side note that has nothing to do with that, but I wanted to say something about Wes Craven. I was reading um, some stuff with him recently, okay, mm-hmm. and. I found out something very interesting, and this actually contradicts stuff that I've talked about when we watched part two on here a long time ago. Yeah. And I wanted to apologize to everybody out there uh, for something that I learned recently. So, Freddie was a child molester. He was a child molester. He would molest them and then murder them. Hmm. And for years, I did not think that, I thought that was hearsay and not accurate. I heard it straight out of Wes Craven's mouth. Interesting. So... See, I, I had that perception just, too that he was a child molester, but it was always kind of like implied, oh, he was implied more I than it was it, spoken. What is it called? Hold on, I'll tell you the name of it. I watched that Never Sleep Again thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were excerpts from it, not in the actual Never Sleep Again thing, but there were excerpts from it where I, I watched a really long thing with him. And he said, "What's more, there was nothing more despicable on this planet to him than a child molester." Yeah. And he's like, well, "What if he molests the children and then murdered them as well?" Yeah. So the townspeople all get together and they go and fucking burn him alive. Yeah. For murdering and molesting children. Right. And then he comes back as this demon. So, I had said on the Nightmare 2 episode whenever we did that 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 was actually not accurate because I had heard people 
and it was not from him. I heard it from his mouth say, and you guys can actually watch the thing I'm talking about on the standard new line, um, not Elm Street Part 1 uh, extras. It's in that. It's also in the not Elm Street Part 1 new line Snapcase uh, DVD. That documentary is on there. So I was wrong, and it's actually very much accurate. He is a child murderer and child molester. Now, Wes didn't say that he molested and killed every child. He definitely killed every child, but apparently some of them he molested. Hmm. So, which is interesting, and it, it, it makes him a little bit more terrifying. Yeah, oh, for sure. You know, so it, it's it's very interesting, and that chick right there with the glasses, I'm pretty sure was at that thing too. Yeah, yeah, most of them were. And we'll uh, get to that as we delve into this uh, film here and uh, talk a little bit about Horror Hound and our experience there, second time. Uh, so. Dream Master that's where Freddy Krueger returns once again to terrorize the dreams of the remaining dream warriors as well as those of a young woman who may be able to defeat him for good so uh, very cool I like the cast in this film Uh, I guess we'll just go right into Horror Hound as far as just uh, you know, opening impressions of the con when we got there, I guess. Uh, you know, it was pretty pretty quick getting in, honestly. I mean, the line was pretty long when we got there, but it moved. Yeah, you didn't have to stand in line with that fucking it that I did, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Every time I go to either a concert or a horror convention, and this is no reflection on Warhound, but I just want to throw this out there if you guys have had this happen to you. For some reason, we always get somewhere with some know-it-all, um, and then I ha- I have to take them off at the knees. Yeah. And what? So what happened was wheelchair fucker was wearing an I Hate God shirt, and they're like, blah, 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 blah. and I was like, I'm friends with Goat Whore. They're from New Orleans. Had a good day. <laughs> I, I don't need you tried to reiterate music stuff to me. I went, maybe want to punch him in the nuts for wearing that shirt, but... Yeah. Um, wheelchair fuckers are pretty easy target. Anyway, it was just obnoxious. I know this has happened to you. Yes. Um, this yes. happened to you. I know when you went to see Slayer last time, you had a know-it-all in that line. Yes, I did. And And we can talk about that later, but know-it-alls when you're trying to go to something are just the worst. But anyway, thank God you got me out of it pretty quick and we got in the door. So let's get back to us getting in I didn't mean to get sidetracked that, but God, it was so fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah. lucky. Well, to your credit, uh, that they were also very uh, loud with everything they were saying. And it was kind of, even though it was what, like it opened at what, like uh, it opened at 11, the doors? Yeah. It still seemed early to me. I don't know why. But when we got there, it just felt too early for them to be that loud. I mean, people weren't even, you know, they were excited to get into the thing. Well, no, remember it opened at 5, remember? Oh, okay. Well, either way, it felt, I don't know why, but it it just... Well, no, it was early. And, and the thing, 
the problem was, they were just was too that loud. person that I'm referring to was acting like there was a camera crew there doing their reality show going into this convention. Because they were just like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's just like, you know, these like loud, boisterous people that are never off. Like, they just don't shut the fuck up. They're really loud. Well, they were acting like they were on the set of their reality show. It right. was just, it was really obnoxious. The, <laughs> so the then, one idiot that was with the idiot that was mouthy yeah. had all this Kevin Smith crap. It's like, I, I don't even think they were horror people because it was it was all this Kevin Smith crap. Yeah that they were holding and that's fine or whatever but it's like will you shut up <laughs> you know like like I don't want to talk to you I don't want to hear you so we were pretty much in the back lines we got there a little later and then I got our passes and we went on in and uh, yeah. just cut the line so I kind of I helped save you guys and your misery when I left I was like oh god enjoy that I'm going to go try to get our stuff yeah you did save us because that was bad <laughs> so uh, walking into it you know it was pretty you know, considering I was like a lot of people, there was a good amount of space, um, you know, for us to walk around and move around. The vendor room was how I remember it. Uh, it was sad not seeing Ben and Fright Rags right there when you walk in, but. Um, yes, indeed. Um, saw a lot of cool people, you know, uh, right off the bat. I mean, it's kind of, it's always overwhelming when you go to a con like that because you're instantly just like, oh shit, there's like a lot of stuff here, and, you know. It's kind of hard to browse around because there's so many people, and, and apparently this one specifically was like really fucking busy, and uh, a lot of people waiting to go to this for a year, you know, two years, and turnout was solid, and like especially the first day, which usually Friday is like slower than Saturday, but Friday seemed a lot more busy to me than Saturday did. Um, yeah, I don't know what the fucking maybe because football was back on on Saturdays I don't know but it was yeah it, it felt wasn't... overwhelming there sat, uh, Friday some of it yeah um, like Friday was super busy and then Saturday just wasn't you know not not compared to Friday you know we were hanging out pretty much all day Saturday uh, well Friday we tried to do some hanging out and the first time to go back to 19 um and again this is not on Horrorhound it's just COVID-19 in the world we live in now yeah, but everything felt a little bit more chill. Yeah, in nineteen, and well, there were people socializing. We we did a lot of so I did more socializing than I think Corey's ever seen me do in my life. Yeah, I did. And at this one, people weren't doing it. There were a lot of clicked off stuff and. People, I guess, go into other people's rooms, and it just was not because we stayed till the end of it. Friday night, we were there yeah. for the duration. We were there from five to close. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of disappointing. That was the only thing that was disappointing to me was the the w- there we are trying to be social, which I normally do not do. Yeah, and you absolutely could not do it. The 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 outdoor screening thing they were doing there was nobody at it yeah there was like a lot of people in the karaoke area and nobody was doing karaoke I didn't hear one person do karaoke the whole time we were there no they're all sitting in there like a funeral parlor it was really strange um and then it was it was like they were having a fucking a body in there and people were like well when he when he died last year it's like what is this like I don't yeah like everybody was in just like a dark room like sitting down like 
And I understand they have to do that, but it was really disappointing to me. I, I liked in 19, at the end of the night, nothing ever ended. It just kept going. Like I don't remember them running anybody out of that hall in 19. It just went all fucking night. Yeah. You know, and it was great to experience that. You know, this is all pre-COVID. I understand they have to do shit because of COVID. They have to clean and blah, blah. I get it. But I'm just saying from a from a fan standpoint, it's sad that COVID exists because it basically nutted, denutted. It cut the balls off of the late night party fun. Yeah. You know, because that's where you meet people and mingle and blah. And it was, you know, um, I, I never, I'll tell you something else I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, and I don't know if, if you realize this, but I I never saw where they were viewing films anywhere. Yeah. Uh, Friday or Saturday. I, I, if they were screening stuff, and I'm sure they were, I don't know where the fuck they were doing it. Maybe they were doing it in a different location, rooms. but I never saw any of that. I'm sure they were doing it. I just, for some reason this year, it just felt like, I, I don't know where it was at. Yeah, I, I never missed something. I hope, I hope you guys, if you went, got to enjoy it because I, I never, I never saw them screening anything. And then what the other weird thing is Friday night when everything closed up and we went to like the after party thing, there was supposed to be stuff being screened there. I never saw that either. Yeah, I didn't. It was very. It was very. Uh, it was laid out weird. I don't really know how to describe what I'm saying. Yeah. You know. I felt like there was too much hotel security walking around too. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, I don't know. Like we're horror fans. We're not. We're not fucking. This isn't a goddamn you know. Tractor pull. Yeah. You know, I'll defend everybody there on that. Even the couple tractor pull people I saw, which we'll get to later. <laughs> but you know, I, I never saw the screening rooms. I'm not sure where those were. Um, maybe some signs for that next time. Maybe I hope I'm not being too critical about that. But I, I never saw a plate. I, I never knew where any of that stuff was. Yeah, and there was like you know, like you can get the little maps and stuff where it tells you where to go. But even when you go to it, it's like uh, it's not over here. So you know. What I'm saying though is, I never, I never heard or ever saw anybody at any kind of screening room thingy. Yeah. Now the way they had the guests laid out was great, and I love that one big room that that we went to last time. That 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 was the yeah. exact same. It was literally like walking into a window in 19, wasn't it, with different guests? Yeah. Pretty much. Robert Patrick, Robert England, everybody's just kind of. It's funny they had. They had Patrick and England like near each other, which I thought was funny too. Yeah. Um, and of course the the clerks dudes and then Jason Mews and and uh, every you know everybody else was seemed like they were all in there just hanging out, which was cool. But you know, and I'll, I'll tell you something else. And I noticed this. I don't know if you noticed this or not. The staff this year was a little ruder. Yeah. You know? I mean, like I said, I think. A lot of people were on edge for doing it with the COVID thing, and I mean, I get that, but my thing is, don't do it if you if you can't handle it. You know, like I don't like 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 I go to therapy. You know, I'm I I see a therapist regularly. If you can't handle that, then don't do it. You know, it's 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 like a carny at a fucking at a uh, at a fucking um, at a fair. Yeah, we don't like if you don't like seeing people all day and running rods and and you know smelling you know just hot farts and and corn dogs all day and <laughs> don't do it you know i mean i 
I don't have any sympathy for people that don't want to do stuff. In my understanding for a horror hound, and I could be wrong about this, it's kind of like any other con that I've ever known people volunteered for. You don't get paid. Yeah. They let you like meet guests for free, and I think maybe you get some free autographs, and that's it. I think I think there's some kind of perk to it, but I'm pretty sure there's no payment. Yeah. And I'm like, why did you volunteer to do this? You know? Like, there was a dude just, like, holding doors open. Did you ever notice that? Yeah. There was a place I don't know, man. We were trying to film some stuff, and people were kind of rude when I was trying to do that. And it's just, I don't know. But, like I said, I the layout, the layout felt kind of disjointed this time, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Which was disappointing, because I wanted it to be more, you know, like it was... 19 was like the perfect horror experience. This time, you got about 80% of that. You got most of it. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think a lot of it was, you know, space, and they had to cut a lot of shit down in order for them to be able to do it. And you can tell what was taken out, and it was actually a lot more than, um, you know. Well, but it was just weird. Like, that after-party thing felt like, like, it literally felt like a fucking funeral. Yeah. If, what is going on here? Like, wh- what in the hell is this? Well, Joey's trying to get his uh, little titties here. His titty, yeah, his little waterbed dream. Bob England death. <laughs> but, but I mean, do you know what Mr. I mean? Like, it's, it's one of those things. Where Twenty-two minutes, people, forty seconds, and he's about people, to get the Freddy. People, people don't talk about it, but it's you know, and and I'll tell you it's something else. The the celebrity photo op thing was a nightmare. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, now we all can't sit in a room and watch a horror movie. You know, this year we can't watch Rocky Horror Picture Show, but we can all cram into this cattle herd line. And I swear, you and I were like the only two people in there wearing fucking masks. Yeah, um, that's the other thing was is that for the photo ops, you know, obviously they're a lot more spread out in the last con, which was really strange because this one. They kind of all did them all in like one room, like at a time, where they would be like, "All right, we got the Tom Morgan Jason costume photo op on this side, and then over here we're gonna have the Freddy one, the Robert England photo op, and then over here we're gonna have the the James Jude Courtney fucking Halloween photo op, and then they were doing them all in one area." With all the lines with, like, signs in front of them. And it was was really... Yeah, it was weird. Because last time I remember, they had a bunch of different photo ops in different places. And then, you know, the Elvira one was its own room by itself that we went to. And then the other photo ops were going on, were in, like, a couple other rooms. But I think, with the COVID shit, they weren't allowed to just spread things out in different rooms. Which doesn't make sense. Or maybe we can get clarification on that when this comes out. I don't know. Um... But you know, yeah, the, I'm not. I'm not. The lines I weren't. To think I'm, compl- I'm not complaining. It was just weird. Well, yeah. Well, this is you know uh, going from one convention to the next, and and it kind of gets people prepared for these possibilities for going to cons right now in the COVID uh, era that we're in. 
in society. So, I mean, things are different, and that's kind of what we're reflecting on, is that Horror Hound... And it was. It was weird. Horror Hound didn't suffer from any of these restrictions, but it definitely changed things with it, where it's it was Well, it's also just giving people a heads up. It was, yeah. just, it was weird, you know? So, you know, we were really close together. Like, the lines weren't spread out. They were just line, line, line. And then they had a gap, and then it was line. Like, they were all, like, right next to each other. So, it was kind of confusing, and I think you know, they probably didn't intend on that to be that way as far as, uh, you know. Oh, there goes Joey. He's a, he's a, he's a mattress now. He's a waterbed. They've already knocked off Kincaid and Joey of the Dream Warriors. So I'm going to get to this film for a second. And, uh, one of my favorite things so far in this film, which I totally forgot about, is Kincaid's dog... I think his name is Jason. Uh, pisses fire, and then Freddy comes out. That's, that's, that's really weird. I forgot about that scene. It's fucking. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Just the dog just hikes his leg up and just pisses fire onto like a rock or something. Um, I always thought like the car graveyard thing was cool because like you zoom out and it's just like never ending graveyard of like these fucking junk cars, pretty cool junkyard um, it's pretty dope so now we got Tuesday Night, who replaced uh, Patricia Arquette, that was in uh, Dream Warriors you know which I forget why they replaced her with Tuesday Night I guess I'd have to look that up knowing Patricia Arquette, she probably didn't want to come back she's kind of a bitch yeah or she had another project at this time. This is what, 80, 88? I mean, I know that sounds mean, but she is. She's kind of a bitch. <laughs> That's 88, so, I mean, she probably had another project she was doing. I don't know. Um, and there's Lisa Wilcox. So it was cool. Um, yeah, the, the convention scenes definitely took a, a hit. You know, because... I went to Days of the Dead in Indy. It was the same kind of thing. Oh, there we go. You got Nurse England. That's fucking... That's honestly disturbing. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> it's Robert England with that fucking wig. It's pretty funny. <laughs> God. It's disturbing. It is. It's very... It's like that... Oh. Very disturbing. Um... <laughs> I can't even say anything right now. It's got it's like 50s granny glasses on. It's hysterical. Um, but yeah, it's just the vibe's different with this stuff, you know. It's very different. Um, but, you know, it's still a lot of fun. Um, you know, going into it, like I said, there was a... Uh, once you get into the vendor floor, stuff like that, um, it's kind of straightforward and that was more familiar to me uh, going in there because at first you're kind of just like overwhelmed by everything going on and like being around that many people again and uh, just walking around trying to take everything in it's kind of fast moving so you feel like you can't even really stop you just have to keep walking and uh, once we got past like where the the little cafeteria, like, food area was. 
where they have like those. I've never ate in that cafeteria. I always think, I don't know. For some reason, cafeterias freak me out. I don't know why. Oh yeah, or that like it reminded me of like a Costco how they have like little. It's like come get your fucking three dollar corn dog. I'm like no, I'm good. Uh, plus, I don't want to. I don't want to eat. I don't want to walk around with all this murk. You know, I don't want to have fucking nachos and nacho cheese walking around in this little like basket while there's like all this merchandise everywhere like all over like you know I don't want it's just not appealing to me you know I don't want to dump this fucking nacho cheese all over some vendor's stuff you know what I mean you don't want nacho cheese yourself no I don't not not there (laughs) but uh yeah, so that was weird, but but once we got to the area, I was like, oh, now I remember, you know, because we were pointing out stuff like this back wall area where they had some of the guests or whatever. I was like, oh, that's where Polly Shore was last time, and uh, Mick Foley, I remember, was over in that area, and like a bunch of other people, and that's where we met Tony Todd was over there. Um, so it was cool to like go back to that and see the familiar parts of the convention, kind of like brought it full circle again, you know, like, uh... Sure. I guess that's when it sunk in, it's like, oh, we're now we're back in the horror hound, you know? Because just getting through the lines and, and finally, uh, getting in there... Oh, excuse me. Goddamn. You alright? <laughs> yeah, just fucking... You guys will have to forgive me out there in media land, I've not been feeling too hot this week. Doctor needs a doctor. Well, doctor's his own doctor. Well, hopefully that works so he doesn't have to pay for something he doesn't have. Right. But yeah, the uh, <clears throat> familiarity was really nice. Once once I kind of saw that stuff, and I was like, all right, yeah, we're, we're at Horror Hound. This is cool. I guess I had a little yeah. time to like breathe in what where we're at and get through all the stuff. So it was cool, and uh, seeing familiar faces... Um, uh, friend PJ, it was cool seeing him and Scream Team, and it was cool seeing Joel Robinson, and it was cool, you know, uh, I said seeing a lot of familiar people at Horror Hound, so that, that's always good to, uh, you know, see familiar faces, and, uh, yeah, it was, in that regard, it was really nice. I mean, the, uh, the, um, what do you call it, the, uh, the dealer room is <clears throat> a lot of fun there. Yeah. Um, I said there's so much going on at once, and then the... You know, I like how it's set up to where, you know, you get, like, three... Like, two or three, like, uh... You know, like, aisles of just vendors, and then when you get to the last couple and the back, there's, like, the... You know, they got guests in there and they're like right there it's pretty cool whereas you know some cons they have like just guests and like a little bit vendors like trickled in with them you know but this one is like pretty much all of it in one and uh you know then I like the other hall the the vendor hall they did where it was just the guests like like you said like the big room how just how it was last time you know. Wasn't there a vendor hall we never saw that we tried to find? Yeah, so that was the other one. They were they had like a vendor hall plus, which was supposed to be like an extra room 
in like across the street, which that across the street thing, I didn't see half the stuff they said that was over there, but maybe we went there at the wrong time. I'm not trying to, again, duke on it, but but some of it was just like, well, where is this mysterious place? Yeah, because the only ones we saw was the vendor hall A, and then I think vendor hall B was like the room with the tattoo stuff going on in there, and, uh, a couple other guests were in there, like the Fear Street people, and like there was a, just other small little vendors in there, and then the I don't know if it was Vendor Hall C, but where the was, hell was it though? Is the is the question? That's I, I still don't know where. It was supposed to be across the street. There was a whole other thing, but we never saw it. We also went there after hours, but I mean, we never even saw it when we were walking around. Like, where would that have been? You know. I think we just got there late, and a lot of stuff was already shut down, and because there was supposedly the the vendor plus that had some extra stuff in there, like a, I don't know what it was, or you know, I never we never went there, so um, but yeah. And then vendor hall C, I guess, is the big room where it's just guests. There's no vendors in that room. It's just a big room for guests, like Nick Castle and clerks, and uh, right. Robert Patrick, whatever, Billy Zane, um, Daniel Harris, I think. So, I like that. I like that they have a room where it's both, where it's mostly merch and, like, vendors, and then they have the other guests in there, how they did it the year before, and then they got the big room. If you just want to meet celebrities, and it's, like, the bigger ones, like Robert England, uh, very cool. Um... And then, yeah, there's that other one. I don't know. We never saw it. And like I said, it was already closed whenever we had an opportunity to walk over there. So, and, you know, I, I think uh, hopefully it'll be a little bit more balanced when we go there in March. And uh, maybe we'll... Well, again, a lot of the stuff we're talking about is not even... It's not negative. It's just... Right. It's stuff you got to prepare for and, and that you kind of have to, you know, first con back in 2021 you know there's going to be some of those hiccup things and there's just not even things that even the staff could really control it's just the way that things work out when you let the doors open I mean you know and uh like I said I still think Horror Hound's probably the most well you know well ran convention as far as you know generally the staff is um you know, pretty accommodating and, and uh, you know, can direct you wherever you need to go, but I think it was more of like an on-edge thing this time around, and uh, hopefully in March, like I said, it'll be more well-constructed and uh, a little more prepared this time, and people will be more, um, they'll be ready for this one more than I don't think they were for this one in September. I think the turnout was huge and probably a little um, unexpectedly uh, huge and then you know it's one of those things well like I said nothing to my knowledge really even went wrong or anything you know I've had people reading on like some of the groups that I'm in and stuff of like uh, people complaining about the lines people complaining about normal shit they complain about but in reality it's like you know stuff like that has never bothered me I anticipate lines and all that. I mean, that's part of the the thing, you know. Um, people always complain about the VIPs getting ahead or 
having like lines that don't have you know this happened at the uh, photo op we were doing for Robert England um, oh were they that, they were letting people in front of us weren't they Right, but they should have like a VIP line because normally you separate the two so you, it doesn't just look like people are just, you know, walking right past you. But, you know, they they were kind of like, it was kind of weird how they did that because, you know, they had like three people, uh, three lines of people that are all getting the Robert England thing and then there's like four and, lane four and five that's for this other one that's going to start in like 30 minutes. So... It's kind of confusing because most people are like, where do we go? Even though the guy was like, go over here, you know, that. And then, you know, we had been standing there and they had people behind us get moved into this other lane, like the farthest to the left. And then they actually got to go in first. And I don't think they were VIPs. So there was confusion with that. And then, you know. You know, I've never gotten mad. If people pay extra money to get special treatment, I guess... Sure, you pay 200-something bucks. I mean, I mean, that's part of it. You get the, you know... Get the purse. You get in early, and you get to, uh, you know, fast-pass it, basically, and do all that. I mean, you know, like I said, you pay for that, so... I know plenty of people that are like, Who the fuck stupid VIPs go for? It's like, <laughs> it's not. They paid for it, you know. They paid a lot of money for it, so... If you wanted to get the treatment, then you got to pay for it, you know. But for Whorehound, I will say, you and I used to know, yeah, that he he would spend all this money on these meet and greets with bands, yeah. And I never understood the logic in that. Like, if, if I'm not I'm not going to pay someone to talk to me, you know, right? And I'm not talking about an actor, but I'm talking about musicians. I'm just. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's another thing, too, with the... You can, t- you can take your ego and your... And these are some bands we've dealt with uh, on this podcast. If you're charging to meet people, then you probably need to find another profession. Yeah, because see, you know, the actors and stuff like that, it's different because, you know, they're not performing in front of you. You know, you go to these shows and you, like, watch their concerts and then you have to pay to meet them after. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. It's not like we're at these cons and watching them on set do this fucking the films they're doing, you know. I know some of y'all out there probably think that that's mean, but I'm just just being honest. I I, I don't think. And the reality with all that is too, I'm sure, is that the music industry is just kind of in the commode with the digital age and stuff like that. So these bands aren't making any money. So I get you know. I guess. I mean, I get it, but it's not my problem to pay the bills. And and like I said, I'm not doing it, but plenty of fucking kids do and that that's the reason is because that's probably I mean that's if they want to do that that's fine the only I'm just reason saying to make money I guess but you know. I'm not I'm not paying someone to talk to me yeah you know I'm just not gonna do it <clears throat> it's not gonna happen tonight tomorrow not you know it's just not gonna happen yeah and you know people, people want to do that that's fine I'm just you know for me personally it's just I can't do it. We'll do it live. It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> we'll do it live. You know? Fuck it. Fucking a, because it's. I mean, that's and that's the truth. I'm just not. It's. I'm not even gonna humor that because it's not something that you know. I personally am interested in in uh, entertaining. 
and that's nothing against them for do. I, I think I, I will say shame on you for charging to meet your fans. Yeah, you know, I would I would never charge to to hang out with with a fan. You know, I mean, you're a musician. Would you would you charge your fans to talk to you? I mean, no, absolutely not. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I think it's 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 a really just. If you want my honest opinion, especially when you some of these bands, and I won't say who, used to love meeting their fans and then they start charging for it, it kind of makes you look like a piece of shit. Yeah. You know? And I'm talking music of all genres. I'm not saying anything specific. I'm just saying, you know, if you're that if you're that money hungry, you know, you, you might want to look into a different career choice is all I'm saying. You know, yeah, I agree. I, I just think pe- some people are in things for the wrong reasons. And <clears throat> there was a gentleman that we've had on this podcast multiple times. You know, that was a horror hound that was very rude. Yeah, and I'm not going to say who because I'm professional. Um, and it kind of set the tone for Friday. You know. Yeah, a little bit. And you know, and that's not your fault. And I'm sorry I acted the way that I did, but I was. It really. Because I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And we went ahead and did it anyway, and and it and it blew up in my face like a grenade, like I knew it would, and and it was it was very uh, it was humiliating. Yeah. You know? So that's that's another thing we're meeting people. So and especially when someone is completely different to you on social media, and then when you're in their face, they're just a you know a cocksucker. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, and again, I. It's just—it's not professional, and not only is it not professional, it's—it's it's really rude, you know. Yeah. You know, so because because all I felt like we did with the scenario I'm talking about was went over and stroked their ego, and then they basically pulled their pants down and pissed in my face. <laughs> yeah. You pissed in my face, friend. <laughs> you know, but. And again, that's not on Horror Hound, and that's that's just stuff we deal with doing this podcast. You know? Right. But, you know, it's <clears throat> it's one of those things, I think, uh, Saturday, I think you and I both were in a better mood. Yeah. We were a little cranky, I think, from the drive, and, you know, although Saturday ended up being stressful, too, but we won't get into that, but... Um, I think, and I'm sorry about that too, but um, I think, you know, Saturday we did we did a lot of filming, which you guys will see at some point in time. Um, uh, but yeah, we we uh, Porno Proton showed up, which was cool. So we did a little godless thing. Yeah, it came in Saturday. And then I did a little bit of filming. How much of that we're ever going to use, if any of it, I don't know, because I feel like I'm an idiot, but. Nah, we'll I thought to, some of it was good footage. We'll just have to you yeah, know, actually work on that. Uh, check it out. Well, I mean, the truth is, even if it's bad, if it's nah, none if of it it's was at least bad. watchable, you know, if I watch some of it with you, I'm like, eh, whatever, it's fine. No, none of it, none of it was bad. It's, uh, well, there since, was the one thing where I was not in disguise. I don't think I necessarily want to use that. Plus, they were kind of shitty to us anyway. Yeah, I think... Um, the Severin thing, so, you know. Well, um... I think some things, you know, we kind of ran through the floor like a couple, like at least three times, trying to just cover everything, you know. And then, and then Porno did his stuff, and you did your stuff a couple times. So there's like a lot to like 
piece together to make it where it's like a whole thing, you know, where it's Yeah, pro- and we and you know, I think you and I sit together we can probably Porno Proton doing something and you doing something, you know, the second half of it where it's you doing right, you know, right. the, the same things he ran around and did, you know. I think some of it's fixable, though. As far as this film is concerned, and the guests, I thought it was really cool all they brought together. Is now you see a toys character, uh, Sheila, which I thought was really cool. It was really cool. She was there. She was one of the only people you could hear at the Q and A because it was kind of, I guess we were in the back or whatever, but it was very. They were like share, all sharing like one mic, and some didn't talk very loud. Um, yeah, hearing was a little bit of a, and, and this is just constructive criticism for me and Corey. I'm glad you went there. It just to the to the people at Horham, maybe because your announcer guy, you could hear clear as day, but but everybody else was like, well, I think passing the mic too, and then like, you know, I know how traditional Q and A's work, but. Honestly, it would have been cooler, and it, it was probably cheaper for them to do it that way. But it that's what it sounded like. It sounded like it would have been a lot cooler and more fun and louder. It'd been a lot cooler if I hosted it because I have a loud southern voice. But right, but if they had like a, um, if they all had like lapel mics, and then they just had a PA, because then you could fucking hear them all, you know. And you know, I guess having one mic to pass around, you can't really. You know, they're not really talking over each other. But at the same time, there's a lot of instances where they were talking to each other. I love that Freddy part. He's like, it's fucking dope. You want to suck face? That's fucking awesome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, it, I think it would been, there's a lot of moments you missed out on really hearing, like, the camaraderie of, uh, the cast during the Q&A because they weren't, like, uh, they didn't have a loud southern voice. Yeah, but, but but they weren't mic'd up at once either. So like, there was instances where you know Robert Englund would like kind of move, you know, talk to Brooke or uh, Lisa Wilcox and, and you know like kind of quib something to her, but you couldn't really hear him do it as mo- as well because it wasn't loud. Like you know, people in the front could hear it, but you know, that, they that didn't a, have a Doctor West voice. Was the problem? But. It, future reference and, and you know people if you just want to take it for what it is or maybe consider it I think uh, at least in, in that room because of how big it is and how many people were there like I mean it was uh, a lot and you know there's people standing in the back and they had like a cut off point but I mean it was full in there so a lot you figure how many people couldn't hear it which was most of the people in there probably couldn't so Future reference possibly possibility to do, I would just mic everybody up and uh, have a PA so it's just loud, you know, and everybody has their uh, their ability to talk when they want to, and not just like oh you got to pass the mic to make your comment, you know, because it, you know there like I said there's instances where like uh, toy, you know, the Sheila or whatever from Part Four. She was on the other end of the table, so she would say something, and then you would have Brooke or somebody else chime in from across the table at her to like kind of add to the story, and you couldn't hear it, and it's like you can only pass the mic so quickly over to them to like hear what they have to say, and it's you know, it kind of cuts into it, the fun of the Q and A, 
So I think, uh, you know, because they're not, like, yelling at each other. And, uh, you know, honestly, they shouldn't yell at each other. They should all have the ability whenever to, like, add to stories of their own and talk and make it fun. So, yeah, I think, uh, or or at least all have their own mics, regardless. If you want to do the lapel thing in a PA, whatever, or you just do the mics in a PA and, and but... Or you contact Corey Gorecrust and you get a guy with a loud southern voice. Right, you can have Dr. West interpret... Uh, <clears throat> Which that was another cool thing they had sign sign uh, people there. Yeah, here's the great thing: um, if we could get someone that can do sign language to come with us next time, so we could hear the Q and A, that would be great. Right. Um, we also need a sign person uh, for wheelchair fucker as well to, to follow him. Right, because he will sleep with you. Because he, especially if you are disabled, he will sleep with you. Yes. Um, as he is disabled, so you know. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, he is. But yeah, that that was boy. one not really gripe by it, but it was more or less like, eh, you know, like it, they should all have their own mics at least. Maybe they would all be louder because they can, you know, if well, you're passing. We're touching on 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 the convention hall, the, the, excuse me, the Q and A hall. I want to talk about. Um, was there an um? um wasn't that what he was doing? Which one was the um? The first time we went. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we didn't. We it didn't do that the most this time. Painful Q and A I've ever sat through in my life. We missed the um uh, this this time. The, um, but that was the only Q and A we caught was that uh, nightmare part four panel, which is like the main one we wanted to do. So it was. Cool. It is. It was cool that we we got into it because we saw everybody kind of, you know, we saw the time or whatever, and we're like, "Fuck, we gotta book it over there." And they were like, just about to start, like, you know, they were like moving everybody in there, but we got in when we did because we were in one of the last rows of seating, so we were lucky enough to uh, get in there when we did because they started cutting people off not too long after that. So. Um, very cool, you know. I like seeing. Yeah, it was a really good cast, like reunion thing too. Like they had pretty much. Every, I mean, everybody was there. It was awesome, you know. Minus the Dream Warrior people, of course, but you know, from the beginning of the film. But you know, really cool, cool to see Robert England doing anything. But like I said, I w- it would have been so epic if they actually all had their own mics and they were loud, you know, because otherwise, you know. It was kind of like they were there, but after a minute, you're just like, man, I wish I could fucking hear what the hell they were saying, you know? <laughs> kind of why I showed up. But, uh, yeah, other than that, you know, it was still a great panel otherwise, and I'm sure um, that's a good reason for you guys to check out the Whorehound Rewind that they've been doing on their Facebook page, and I think on their website as well, um, where you can actually watch the previous Q and A's from the event. So you know, I might go back and watch you know, speaking it and of see if I can actually rewind, I'd like it. to rewind to being treated like shit by one of our guests at uh Horrorhound and point out I just wanna I just wanna give everybody a little insight on me. And I don't care if you like slipknot and you're wearing a white trash slipknot T shirt. I don't care if you got tattoos or stretched out earlobes not interested 
And I really don't care if you have a podcast. So when you walk up and you try to act like you're hot shit in front of me, it's not very cool, man. So, and you know who you are, because I've got you on video <laughs> when porno's walking around the con. I've got you on video, Chief, so the whole world's going to see you. No one cares what your, your plumbing job you do, but you like fucking horror movies, dude, I don't care. <laughs> and you know who I'm talking about, Lord Christ. Yep. I've got you on video, Chief. All our fans are going to see your, your country-fed, redneck, white trash, Ohio ass. <laughs> and you, you don't walk up and interrupt me when I'm talking to somebody, even if they're being rude to me, which he was. You don't walk up and interrupt Dr. West. So I just wanted to just say that real quick. You know who you are, and everyone's going to know who you are because I am literally going to do a commentary track for that video uh, porno's thing. It's going to be an alternate video when, when we get the video done and Corey's cool with it. We're going to commentary the bitch and I'm going <laughs> to point you out. We're going to do like a freeze frame slow motion and I'm going to put a little circle around you. It's actually funny. So everybody sees you. So this, this tool walks up while we were being treated like shit by one of our guests on Phantasm and literally I got foot and Paul cast. I got my foot slipped on t-shirt on my fucking Jason Voorhees goddamn hoodie. It's like, will you fuck off, please? Actually, I think, I think, I yeah. think that whore was wearing the Slipknot shirt and he was wearing his fucking He's Jason got that, that, hockey jersey. that Walmart hockey jersey thing that a bunch of people were wearing. Oh, it's not Walmart, it's Spencer's. Spencer's. It's Spencer's. Which also... He likes to go in there and get a whoopee cushion and some fart gas. <laughs> <laughs> it's another funny thing besides Spencer's. He likes, to fuck it. he likes to fuck that girl after he does his podcast with that lava lamp on from the mall. But there's another thing. I'm pretty sure that you can get this horrific costume. I don't know if it's from Party City or what, but it has. it comes with like this shit-ass, like really thin rubber hockey mask, and then it has that jersey. And that's the that's the costume. It's like when did? Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that might be where he actually got it because I know they have hey, it at Spencer's. It's like I, I I wear the mask too when I pick my son up from school, and then I got my jersey on so everybody knows that I'm a I'm a Jason Voorhees fan. It's like whatever. But uh, I thought it was kind of funny. But there was a bunch of people wearing that fucking jersey. I was like, what is it with this jersey? There's no Friday Thirteenth people here, you know. This is kind of strange. Well, actually, I think there might have been a couple. Like I said, I would have never noticed him other than that he's just a tool wearing that jersey. Yeah. But I wanted to point him out because he got a fucking pole case, buddy. Yeah. And let me just end with this: leave podcasting to the professionals like me and Gore Christ. You can rip us off. You cannot give us any credit, but we've been around longer than you, and we're better than. So leave podcasting to the professionals here at Fantastic. Indeed. So I had to mention it because no, I, I, I don't remember that happening when we went in, in, in 19. I don't remember Didn't happen at all. anything like that. Now, 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 granted, our guest, who was rude to us this time, was rude to us last time. Yeah. That's what he does. He's nice on social media, does our stuff, blah, blah, and then he treats us like shit person. But so that didn't really surprise me. But I don't like when someone tries to come up and like undercut me. Yeah, he made my fucking pole caged. 
there was a guy one time I remember he had uh, he had messaged our page and he's like yeah I'm trying to reach Corey he's going to help me with my podcast <laughs> man I cut this dude off at the knees not really sure that Gorecross knew this guy or not I don't think you did but do you remember what I'm talking about yes I do here's the thing you don't contact uh, a podcast that's been around this long six years uh, going into our sixth year very very proud of, of, of you Corey and everything that we've done you're a genius and I think you do a great job but same to you sir. I don't like when people contact us about help I'm not helping you we're not helping any we're helping each other we're help Corey helps me I help Corey that's it no that's how Phantasm works. If you didn't know that, now you do. That's how we do it here at Phantasm. That's, now that's, we go through the channels we go through to people that we also want to mutually help that we're in, you know, already in business with. I'm not talking about that we with. help anyone. I'm saying, but well, you, you know, know just I mean. message us and when you're trying to steal from us and get us to help you. It doesn't work that way. Right. Which that's all this hick was doing. But, yeah, it's... You know, I, I had a lot of fun um, at the convention. Saturday was a lot of fun. <laughs> Friday was cool. It's just Friday we kept walking into these like I don't know, just weird situations. Yeah, and I think too. I think that different guests provoke different crowds. You know, uh, back in 2019, I think there was a lot more variety as far as bringing different kinds of people. Like you know, you had the Back to the Future. Um, you know, shit with with uh, Christopher Lloyd and with uh, um, uh, Tom Wilson. Um, yeah, Biff Tannen. But uh, you know, then you had Christopher Lloyd tied in with the Adams family, Adams family stuff, so that brought fans of that. And then you had sure um, the the Scream cast, so you had fans of that, and you had. Yeah, Meatloaf there, so you had the Rocky Horror fans, which are really cool people generally. And you just had a whole, like, different variety of stuff. And this one did too, you know, they had... But this one also had some stuff they haven't done before, like, they had... I mean, they've had wrestlers, you know, they had Mick Foley last time, but I think they have more wrestlers here, and, and that always kind of, you know, brings... I'm not really a big fan of wrestling fans, to be honest. I mean, I am somewhat of a wrestling fan still, but I'm not. They, like opened, a, they opened up the uh, containment to the sewer. I, I know what you're saying. Right. And then, you know, I love uh, Robert Englund and stuff, but, like, that's a mixed bag of fans, too, with, like, the not Marion Elm Street, but, you know, like, stuff like that. But any of the bigger stuff is going to just bring in anybody, but not knocking Robert Englund or any of the people in this film or anything, because it's a, you know. And, and watching this again for the first time in a while, this film's fucking insane. Um, you know, I, I enjoy it so far, but, um, it's, you know, different crowds bring different people. Like, uh, I went to a days of the dead where they had the stranger things kids, uh, there cause they were in the middle of shooting season two, I believe. Um, and that brought in people that I know have never even been to a convention. Like a lot of people that have never been to a convention, like regular like soccer moms bringing their kids into this horror con and if you haven't been to the days of the dead it's very trashy and very like shitty ran so bringing kids into that convention as their not only first convention but first ever just probably meeting celebrity anything like that and it was just 
you can tell these parents and these kids were fucking horrified because they had they were just meeting these like Netflix like actors and uh, that are also children and seeing like these fucking this like sword swallower and this fucking like crazy shit like that and like people getting tattooed and like all these like horror people dressed up and like I you could just see the terror in their face because I was waiting in line for the photo op for them and uh, a lot of these people like I, I had the mother ask me it looks like they just got out of a like a Eddie Bauer store and she was just like she's like excuse me is this uh, the line and I was like yeah and she was like this is really weird like I've never been anything like this and I was like yeah I've, I've been to a lot of these are a lot of fun and she was just like you could tell she just was not into it she was just trying to like I guess calm herself down but uh you know, it was pretty overwhelming. So you get, like, a lot of different kinds of people, uh, depending on the guest as who is going to bring those people, you know, so. Right. Um, and I think this time around, I think the selection of guests, which I'm not knocking, you know, a lot of the guests were fantastic, but, you know, the clerk stuff, too, which they were all great, but that, that invokes a very specific crowd in and of itself, because a lot of people, again, they're going to a horror con, but they see that these actors are going to be there, they don't really realize what a horror con actually is. They just see a bunch of guests on a thing, and they're like, oh my god, these clerks people are going to be here. So they don't think, they think it's just going to be some regular Comic-Con with a bunch of these horror guests there. And then when you go to it, it's a straight-up horror con, but with, like, guests here and there that are from other things. So, they're like, oh man, I can meet Jason Mewes and Ted DiBiase, and then Robert England, you know, Freddy Krueger, that's really cool. And then when they go there, all these people are dressed up as, like, just batshit stuff from horror films, and it's just all this crazy shit. So, like I said, I think it it's uh, very weird. And, and it, you bring certain guests, it's going to bring certain clientele of people, and sometimes that meshes well, sometimes it doesn't. I think maybe this year that was something to do with it, and maybe the crowds that were there and trying to stay the whole night that, you know, we saw the outdoor screening thing, like maybe a lot of those people were those kinds of people, like I don't know if they were, you know uh, people that go there every year, or they're people that, you know, had never done it before and they're trying to like just do all the things and weren't really feeling it, you know, I don't know but it's interesting to kind of analyze it like that, but It's uh, interesting, to say the least. It was weird. Yeah. I mean, all I know is when we went in 19, I don't feel like it was so uh, flea markety. Yeah. The cool thing was, though, Saturday, now I'm talking Friday was flea markety. I didn't feel like Saturday was flea market. No, it was a lot more laid back Saturday, but I think there was less people, too. But the people that were there were definitely, you know, more... What I'm saying is the clientele, in my personal opinion, was a lot more lax on Saturday as opposed to Friday. I agree. And that's as nicely as humanly possible I can put that. I'm not really sure why Friday was the way that it was, but... 
Oh no, the popcorn. I don't really know why that was a thing, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of strange. But, I think Saturday is probably more... more lax and, you know, maybe a lot more people that are just trying to meet all these other people go Friday anyway and Saturday was a better... Sure. You know. But usually it's the reverse. Usually Friday's very kind of lax and slow and then Saturday is like the big day but in this case it seemed like everybody was there uh, Friday and then Saturday was a lot more chill and there wasn't as much people around it seemed like it seemed like it was a lot easier to go in and out and get the stuff get our footage and everything and I don't think we could have done that Friday looking back there was just too many people I don't, e- I don't either too many people too much going on and you know it is what it is. Yeah, I'll try to do some trivia for this movie to catch up on that. Well, let's see. This was the highest grossing entry in the Nightmare on Elm Street film franchise. $49 million in the U.S. Um, first film in the franchise where Robert Englund received top billing in the opening credits. You know, because usually towards the end of the credits it'll be like, and Robert Englund as Freddy Krueger, you know. Or this one, I guess, as soon as it starts, it's like Freddy Krueger, you know, Robert England. And Corey Borger as the beaver. (laughs) Leave it to Corey. (laughs) God. Uh, The name of the diner where Alice works is called the Crave Inn, which is obviously Wes Craven. Um... Rennie Harlan got the job by refusing to take no for an answer. Rather than accept the rejection, he instead showed up at the New Line Cinema offices on a daily basis, repeatedly requesting to speak with producer Robert Shea, uh, who is Lynn Shea's brother. Awesome. Uh, Lynn Shea told me about I had, for some reason, I had no idea. Yeah, I never made that connection when we had her. Oh, Shea, baby. When we, had her, when we had her on here, uh, she mentioned that and how she kind of got her career... Um, you know, and like bigger films doing, you know, through him and stuff, which is really cool. Um, so shout out to Lynn Shay, love uh, Insidious and Conjuring, all that shit's awesome. Um, for a variety of reasons, they didn't like any of the other directors who came in for meetings about this movie. Harlan always seemed to be around. Eventually, his persistence won the day to some degree because he was so clearly. Um, so impoverished that his clothes never seemed to change day to day and even began to smell they had to hire him just so he could afford some new clothes or so Bob Shea jokes according to Harlan Shea rarely ever spoke to him uh, throughout the shoot even though he would visit the set quite often that made filming Shea's cameo seem a bit difficult the resulting tension meant Harlan lived each day on set like it was his last because he was fairly positive Shea was going to fire him at any moment without warning. So that's very interesting. Our director. <coughs> Rick and Harlan directed uh, Adventures of Ford Fairlane. He did, didn't he? He did. No shit. It's amazing. Um, it's my favorite thing he ever did. Andrew Dice Clay, for you folks that need to check that out for sure. The doctor showed me that film, and I bought it like that next day. On Blu-ray, um, Rick and Al. Like bucks to Holmes. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I got it when it was about ten bucks. Uh, Rick and Alice were twins in the script. 
Oscar-winning screenwriter Brian Helgeland was hired to write the film after being recommended by Robert England, for whom he penned the screenplay to England's directorial debut, 976 Evil. I didn't know Robert England directed that. Yeah, that's his baby. I love that movie. Holy shit. I had no idea. That's another out-of-print movie, and it's got the dude that played Evil in it, too. Yeah, Stephen Joffrey's, yeah. Here we go, old, old, de- old uh, Debbie's weightlifting death here. Well, Brooke Weiss finally getting her getting her due. Um, the film had a release date set, but no script or director, and Heigeland was hired under the condition that he could deliver the script within seven days. He was advised by New Line Cinema head Robert Shea that if the script came in a day late, they didn't want it. Heigeland then flew home to Massachusetts for Christmas and wrote the script sitting on his father's kitchen table. He FedExed the finished screenplay back to Los Angeles and made his deadline based on this script. Director Rennie Harlan signed on. The film marks Heigeland's first screen credit, though 976 Evil was his first produced screenplay. It was released after this film. Oh, there goes her arm. Fuck. Look at that. Nice jellied arm. Oh, here's Doctor's favorite part right here. Gotta love the body horror. Well, it's not just that. It's a little insect horror, too. It's like... Yeah, I can't do the giant roach thing. This turns into a rocho rancho. <laughs> um, yep, well, thank you. No bugs for me. No bugs for me. <laughs> Reportedly, Rennie Harlan's original version of the film was considered to be too campy and ridiculous by New Line. Which is why some cuts were made in the film before theatrical release. Harlan's original cut had an alternate score and many deleted and extended scenes. These included more scenes with Kristen, including a nightmare scene in which she had been chased by Freddy soon after he killed Joey and Kincaid, and an extended version of the beach scene where Freddy's shadow was touching and burning her with sunburns. Small parts of these scenes can be seen in trailers for the film, and there are also some stills showing the extended beach scene. There were also an additional nightmare scene where Alice dreaming that her father turns into Freddy. It is believed by fans who first discovered these missing scenes that Harlan's original version is lost. Only the original script has all the deleted scenes. God, this death scene is wild. It's probably the nastiest one in this movie. Oh, God. It's just disgusting. Uh... During the writing of the film, Rennie Harlan and some of the producers, by chance, happened to bump into James Cameron. Cameron somewhat facetiously asked Harlan, how are they going to bring Freddy back, back to life this time? To which Harlan also somewhat facetiously replied, a dog pisses fire on him and he comes back to life. The idea ended up being used in the film, although in more metaphorical manner than a literal sense, with Robert England explaining that the dog urinating fire under Freddy's remains is meant to symbolize a hellhound and how evil Freddy truly is. So, still my favorite scene in this film is that dog just pissing fire. I thought, I still think it's hilarious. Um, Our former co-host Tootie can also piss fire. Yes, he can. He does that. He is a Willie Hellhound. Uh, he is. He's your Hellhound. To quote Ghostbusters, uh, Robert England's favorite part in the film was the time loop because it seemed like a visual of a dream that keeps repeating itself. Wes Craven turned down New Line Cinema's offer to direct and rewrite their script. Interesting. Robert England's favorite movie of the series is this one, which I believe he said it a few times in the Q&A from the times I could hear him, which is very little. Um, 
Not only did actress Tuesday Night co-star in the film, she performed the theme song. Very cool. She's probably my favorite part of the film, even though she's already dead, but I like her in this movie. I like her better than Patricia Arquette, Tuesday Night. She's you know, probably, I like her a lot in this film. Like better than Patricia Arquette in the last one. I'll get to it at final thoughts. I'm not gonna say it. Um, let's see. The highest it was the highest grossing horror film and highest grossing film for New Line Cinema of its year. At around forty minutes, a scene where Alice and Rick are watching movies was a last minute addition. In an interview with Andrus Jones, he stated that because of the writers' strike and because of Rennie Harlan's poor English. He and Lisa Wilcox wrote their own dialogue for it. Um, Interesting. At around 34 minutes, a magazine can be seen in Kristen's room that has a picture of Johnny Depp, who starred in Nightmare on Elm Street, and had a brief cameo on Freddy's Dead Final Nightmare. Um, During filming, several main actors on set were turned off by their co-star actors Tuesday night and director Rennie Harlan's apparent romantic uh, fling, which ultimately resulted in night being pampered by Harlan and given special attention while the other actors were tossed aside by crew members. The rumor of their relationship on and off set was talked about so much that when the documentary Never Sleep Again, which you talked about before we started recording, uh, was being filmed, many of the cast spoke of their distaste and jealousy overnight getting all the attention from the director some 20 years prior. Interesting. Uh, Franchise producer and New Line Cinema CEO Robert Shea mentioned again, as a cameo as one of the high school teachers in the installment. His sister, Lynn Shea, was Nancy's teacher in A Nightmare on Elm Street and Nurse with Pills in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Wasn't Lynn Shea Happy Gilmore's grandmother? Yeah, I think so. Well, there you go, kids. If you've ever seen Happy Gilmore, that's Lynn Shea. Yeah. Or, you know, Insidious, she's like the medium and she's also bridges into uh, The Conjuring. Sir, I hate to bother you, but could you get me a glass of more milk? It helps me sleep. I'll give you a glass to shut the hell up. Yeah, yeah. I think go to sleep, or I will put you to sleep. Isn't that Ben Stiller? (laughs) That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Maybe that. I don't know if that's her or not. I'm pretty sure that's her. That's funny. Um, According to everyone interviewed about the movie and the documentary Never Sleep Again, no one really knows why Patricia Arquette didn't come back. There are a few theories. So going back to this now, that raised the question at the start of this. Uh, Rennie Harlan and Rodney Eastman, who plays Joey in the movie, stated her agent asked for more money. But New Line Cinema wouldn't agree. It's been said that that was due to Arquette being pregnant at the time of filming, but her child was born in January of 1989. The movie was filmed in early 1988, so it's unlikely she didn't return before. Uh, for being pregnant because at the time of filming she was either not pregnant yet or only a few weeks pregnant. In addition, she was in Far North in 1988, which was released in November, so it's more likely her commitment to Far North could have have been the reason for not returning as Kristen, which was recasted as Tuesday Night. Lisa Wilcox... If it had been born a year later, she could have been your mom. Right. Exactly. Ladies Uh, and gentlemen, (laughs) Corey (laughs) Arquette. Corey Arquette. <laughs> David Arquette's little brother. I'll I mean, David it. Arquette's his uncle. <laughs> Lisa, that would be kind of cool. Uh, Lisa Wilcox said, oh, also, uh, please bring David Arquette to uh, Horror Hound and Marks. Thank you. Uh, 
Lisa Wilcox said Alice was made for her because she was a shy teenage girl who thought she'd never get a boyfriend. That's sad. At around 51 minutes in a brief classroom scene, Alice and fellow students are lectured on the philosophy on dreams. The teacher giving the lecture, that's Robert Shea's cameo. So, uh, At around 15 minutes, the character of Roland Kincaid has a poster of The Hills Have Eyes in the bedroom. It's pretty cool. Um, also saw a Rush poster in the beginning. Hey, the, the kid with the mullet that dies in the waterbeds wearing a John Grigley Vision skateboarding shirt at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Or no, it was a uh, a U2 poster. That was in the beginning. Um, in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, Kristen falls asleep and awakens to a house with a little girl on a tricycle. The child asks Kristen what her name was. She tells her her name is Kristen and asks what the child's name was. In response, the child just giggles. The same actress who played the child in the film uh, was also casted in 4, this time playing on the sand on the beach. In this scene, Kristen asks the girl what her name was. The girl replies, Alice, but in real life, the actress's name is Kristen. A weird parallel there. Rodney Eastman and Ken Sagos, uh, Ken Sagos is Kincaid, uh, wanted larger parts in the film. were shocked to see they were reduced parts. Yeah, they got reduced to parts, all right. Uh, Wes Craven and Bruce Wagner came up with a concept for this film that involved time travel through dreams however producers Robert Shea and Sarah Risher felt that it was too high a concept for a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel didn't think it fit the formula that Craven created with the first film Uh, at around an hour and 13 minutes when Dan and Alice go to the hospital there's an announcement on the PA requesting a Dr. Shea uh so a lot of references to Robert in this film, which is weird, and that he's in it. Harlan's just sucking that dick, wasn't he? Yeah, it sure was. Uh, at around 27 minutes when Kristen is in the hospital after hitting her head, the nurse changes into Freddy, who with the vials of blood in his right hand. One of the vials, the one closest to the camera, says England, the last name of the actor. It's weird. Danny Hassel's character of Dan had no name originality and had to choose his name, which stuck. Tuesday night was supposed to wear a more revealing outfit on the beach scene, but refused. I'm surprised the director didn't fucking have her out there, bells and whistles. But. According to Annette Benson, the casting director, over 600 actresses auditioned for the role of Alice. The only film of the franchise to have an original song in the opening credits, the second half of the Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors credits feature Into the Fire by Dokken. Goddamn right. Uh, and Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare would open with I'm Awake Now by Goo Goo Dolls. Also, the first to have a rap song in the ending credits. What is the deal? Fucking Vinnie Vincent Invasion had a song called Love Kills in this movie. Are they just going to act like that doesn't exist? Yeah. Because it, it is the song that I remember most from this film. Yeah. It's fucking Mark Slaughter singing, too. That's awesome. Eventually go on to form Slaughter. Him and Dana Strum, the bassist from Slaughter, are both in Benny Vincent Invasion and in the video for Love Kills that they shot. Yeah. They don't talk about it here because not everybody thinks they know everything about horror movies, knows jack shit about music. Apparently not. Um, the budget is $13 million, making it the most expensive Nightmare on Elm Street film at the time until it got surpassed by Freddy vs. Jason, which would be $25 million. By the way, that's that's uh, Corey Arquette's favorite uh, Nightmare on Elm Street film and favorite Jason film. Yeah, it's just the best of both, and you got you know 
you saw it when he was in uh, eighth grade. Um, he had his Pokemon cards, and it's his favorite. <laughs> he went to a Dragon Ball Z convention afterwards. Yep. It was with, the best day of his life. With the Super Saiyan wig on. In the scene where Rick is teaching Alice the kick, which we just saw, and her kicking, uh, when her shoes flies in the sink in the fishbowl, you can see in the fishbowl a little doll hand with long nails, like a mini Freddy glove. It's a blink and miss it moment. Rennie Harlan uh, based this film on a Chinese ghost story and created all the nightmares himself based on dreams he had throughout his life. That's disturbing. I guess he had a dream where he turned into a cockroach. That's fucking horrifying. Yeah, I'm going to have to pass on that. If that happened to you, you would probably would... I wouldn't even hear from you for like three days. Just be like, I had a dream I'd turn into a cockroach. At some point in my life, I... Kincaid's dog is named Jason, a possible nod. Friday the 13th movies. Uh, maybe not. I think they just randomly named the dog. There are references to Alice in the Looking Glass. Not only does Freddy say, Welcome to Wonderland, but Alice literally goes through a looking glass. Uh, she jumps through a mirror, destroying it. First film in the franchise in which the end credits rolled instead of appearing in a slideshow. Scott Pierce is listed as a screenwriter as a pseudonym of Jim Wheat and Ken Wheat. Uh, Rodney Eastman and Ken Sagos didn't feel the heartfelt reunion with Tuesday Night in this film because she had replaced Patricia Arquette. Both failed to convey the emotions called for in the script. There's a lot of just bullshit on here. Let's see. Corey's uncle, David Arquette, was supposed to have been one of the kills in the film but didn't make it to filming in time. At around one hour and two minutes when Alice goes into the theater, there is a poster for Reefer Madness 2, The True Story, New Line Cinema's first success, as well as a poster for Hairspray, which is Wheelchair Fucker's favorite film. Hairspray is a John Waters thing, I think. Is it John Waters, that first one? Pretty sure Hairspray is a John Waters. That was just like a Broadway, like, weird... Well, he did a movie called Hairspray. I'm, I'm that almost positive. That must be it then. Which would be really funny. Because I like Those new ones who put that movie out, it has to be what that's talking about. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, John Waters is a great director. If you guys have never watched movies, I'm not saying everything will be for you, but it's a fabulous director. Like Pink Flamingos, all that shit. Dude, fucking Crybaby. Can yeah, Crybaby. Absolutely. Johnny Depp, Tracy Lords. It's good stuff. The card Lords a lot of my cum when I was young. <laughs> the card junkyard set from Nightmare on Elm Street Three Dream Warriors is featured in Kincaid's Nightmare. The set was conceptualized by production designer Mick Strawn, who worked as an art director and handled effects on the previous film. He also came up with the truck crash scene in the kaleidoscope hallway. The junkyard set also holds the distinction of being filmed in the same location for both films. The set was built and filmed at a landfill in uh, Pacoima, California. This Freddy shit's fucking raunchy right now. Uh, Freddy's line, How Sweet Fresh Meat, was similarly used in Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, Sandcastle... Corey's favorite Jason or Nightmare on Elm Street film. I want to remind you guys again. So I was not in 8th grade when that came out. It was 2003. So I was... uh, What'd that have been? I don't know, tell us. I guess 7th or 8th grade, so it would have been 13. 
Well, I almost got it. I said eight. Yeah, you're close. Uh, around 36 minutes, sandcastle form of the street Elm Street house is visible and freeze frame before it explodes. It is hinted that Dan was new in town as he remarks all the towns in America and I gotta move to the Bermuda Triangle. That's great. He does not know the legend of Freddy. He mentions moving there and is initially a friend of Alice's group, Rick aside. Um, one of the only Nightmare on Elm Street films to show the Elm Street house in broad daylight. It's weird. Dutch director Dick Moss was offered to helm the project, but he had declined due to his scheduling conflicts with his thriller Amsterdam. Let's see how well that did. I made a lot of money. Uh, the background wall of the theater entrance, there was a poster of Rennie Harlan's previous movie, Prison. Uh, Dr. Neil Gordon was not shown in the film, but it returned in the comic book series. Weird. Uh, Andres Jones played a bully one year later on Good Morning, Miss Bliss. A character asks if this last school was St. Freddy's on Elm Street. Didn't Good Morning, Miss Bliss have Betsy Palmer in it originally? Isn't that where she came from? Who? Betsy Palmer that played uh, Miss Voorhees. Wasn't that what she came from? No, that is, that is not her. I thought she was on that show. No. I don't remember the name of the show she came from. It was something like that. Um, no, the, the, that, that chick that, that plays Miss Bliss is, is like a... She's actually like a serious Hollywood actress. I don't want to say she was Miss Bliss, but I thought she was on that. Show I mean, if she's on it, I didn't know that. You pulled trivia out on me that I don't know about second. And it's possible. I don't remember her name on that. Probably not. Uh, 1988 was the first year in which all three of the then top horror franchises, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, and Halloween, all released new films in the same year. The Dream Master, uh, Part 7, New Blood, and Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers. Additionally, the first Child's Play was also released in 88, as was Hellbound Hellraiser 2. And Phantasm 2, shout out to Don, all of which would also become major horror the franchises. Hellraiser film part two. <laughs> Movies are... Oh, I thought you liked that turn. It's okay, it's just that, that... I can't... Maybe it's someone I, I else, maybe it's wheelchair fucker I know that likes I don't remember her name, but that... That, that chick uh, from the first you. one I can't deal with in that film. I don't remember. I, I, her, her name escapes me, but the, the character in the first movie that's in that one, she's just obnoxious. Right. The only part of, of that movie I like is that, that doctor dude, and the only reason I like that is because he says the doctor is in and it's in an aborted song, but other than that, I can care less about that movie. I think they took that from me, but anyway. They did. Debbie's Death was ranked number two on Watch Mojo's list of top ten Freddy Krueger kills. That's the Cuco Rancho. Um, Rennie Harlan wanted Toy Newkirk's to uh, Toy Newkirk to redub her lines to sound more black. That's fantastic. Very nice. That's not racist at all. No. I'm going to do this trivia. This movie's over, and I'm still doing this fucking list here. It's ridiculous. What Jeff? Anyway, as I keep scrolling down, it's just so stupid. It's like the film takes place in 1988. Kristen's car is a 1988 Volkswagen Cabriolet Type One. It's like, why are you writing this? Dan's truck is a 1959 Ford F100. 
Rennie Harlan is a student in the classroom, even though they've already mentioned that like three times. Right. Andres Jones and Linnea Quigley previously starred together in the film Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama. So Linnea Quigley was part of the female chess soul. So she was like a very small little cameo in this film. I've got that on Blu-ray. That's a that's a that's an interesting movie. Yeah. It was an Amazon exclusive um, Blu-ray. Um, pretty sure Linnea's nudie in it too. Yeah, she likes to be nudie a lot. No, I, I like when she's naked, especially yeah. when she was younger. It is hinted that Rick's fear is elevators. That would explain why Freddy tormented him with an elevator in the dream before his death. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it here with the useless information. Um, What'd you think? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you think? We did no uh, altering the future. We just did trivia the whole time. Uh, well, but but I mean, really, this is, this is, is more a of a special episode. It for, is a special episode. For round, so. Which we can keep going with that for a minute. Um, that this film's over. Um, any more about Horror Hound? I guess really we kind of covered everything. Uh, well, real quick about that film, I'm not a fan of the film we just watched. There's scenes I, I like of it. But I, I like part two. I mean, part two is the best, in my opinion. Part two is the only Nightmare on Elm Street film that I really like. I don't like Dream Warriors. Part one is kind of grown on me, but it's a little slow. Five is like a Nickelodeon Freddy movie, and part six is the worst in the in the thing. I would rather watch that reality show New Nightmare thing than watch part six. Which one's part six? Freddy is dead, buddy. No. It's the one that's got oh, Alice yeah. Cooper in it. Ball, barrel, boom. Anyway. <laughs> not a fan, man. So not five, a fan five, is, five is Dream Child. <clears throat> and then there's Freddy's Dead. Right, which a lot of our fans don't know this. Patricia Arquette had the producer's name at the Dream Child when she knew she was pregnant with Corey. <laughs> so, Corey Arquette, my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of this movie. I, I literally did it because that was what they were celebrating at that thing. You know, yeah. If we if the Q and A would have been on how to make asphalt thicker, I would have went and watched that as well. <laughs> I'm just I'm not a fan of this movie. I'm just not. Like I said, we're just showing you some love, uh, horror hound, for letting us in. We're just trying to just push that agenda. So thank you. Um, <laughs> But if you want my honest opinion, not a fan of this movie. I like, the, I love the Benny Vincent Invasion song, and that's about it. Yeah. Oh, I, I, but, again, but again, I don't like Dream Warriors. And everybody's like Dream Warriors, but it's also not a good Dawkins song either. Like I never was like I lie away in lonely night. I'm just not a fan of that song. <laughs> I mean, see, I'm just being honest with you. You want you want a good song? The Benny Vincent Invasion song's great. I love Love Kills. A great song. It is good. You know. But I'm just, I'm not a fan of a lot of these movies. I'm not a, I don't own any Freddy shirts. Have you ever seen me in a Nightmare on Elm Street shirt? No. And like I said, that's a, kind it's of... not the, a fan. That's kind of... The, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of him as the character, but, you know, outside of part two, you know. Now, Ben, you want to make some part two swag? I'll buy some of that, you know. Well, like I said, the, the part two... But I, I, 
really, really and part... A lot of people don't like that movie, and they think it's weird that I like part two. There's a lot of homophobic shit. It's like, whatever, dude. I love that movie. Well, really, part uh, one and two... In that movie. Kevin Yeager, which was so nice to Corey when he met him. And... Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, he was amazing. Or, or emailed him, or whatever it was. That, that's a little lot of sarcasm there. Yeah, he was but I'm just not a fan. I mean, I don't, I don't hate this movie, but, I mean, I don't even own this movie. Well, look, part one and part two, it was actually like horror, where it was Freddy, and then in the third film and all that, it kind of got more like into the dream stuff, where it was more fantasy, and then they're just like, they, they learn karate and start like beating them. Like, it gets really fucking campy to where like Freddy's like I just kind of. I mean, look, Freddy's four is just a kind of compared to five and six. Five and six are really bad. Right. But a lot of people like the Dream Warrior stuff, and a lot of people, and, and I'm with you on that. And this one, I think. Is a lot more entertaining. I'm, than, are you a fan of that Dawkins song? I don't like it. I do like the Dawkins song. You did see? I think it's stupid. It is stupid. That's why I like it, though. No, I'm just telling you. Like, I, I, I love the back for the attack album. That is the dud on that album. Yeah, well, I agree. I agree. I, I can't. I, I can't do it. I'm just. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not a fan. But um, this versus Dream Warriors. I mean, most people would obviously choose Dream Warriors, but I like this one better than Dream Warriors because it's more of just just the horror stuff there wasn't as much of the just stupid shit until like towards the end I don't know crazy. I mean I, I kind of like Dream Warriors better than this one but I, I again I'm not a fan of it either there's parts of both that I like that I don't like about the other one like this one had a lot more just straight up killing in it and it wasn't as cheesy until the cool. end whenever she starts doing her like ninja front flips and like Karate Kid kicks. I just it, it just gets really dumb, and like you know, like I said, one and two are actual like Nightmare on Elm Street like horror films because Freddy's scary in it and he's just killing people. You know, there's not like this just wise ass Freddy and like just weird, stupid, campy humor. It's like you know the Friday Thirteenth or or Halloween. Even though those you know Halloween stuff kind of got shitty like, like four and five, but Right. At least they didn't have Michael Myers or Jason, you know, start playing right. guitar and doing rap songs. You know, I mean, right. They, I mean, they weren't speaking characters to to be able to have a personality to do that. But well, still, like, Freddy's right. supposed to be this scary demon-like character in your dreams, or turning into nightmares, and he's walking around with sunglasses on the beach and just being like, like it's just kind of, you know. The first two films, he would have never done that. He's just fucking ruthless, you know, and scary. Right. Especially the second one. He's fucking terrifying in that film. He is. He's great. So... But, you know, I mean, look, the convention was great. I'm glad we went. Friday was a little weird, but I think that was more us and not them. And then, except for the after-party thing, you guys need to kind of, I don't know, fix that. Because it's like nobody showed up, or everybody was paired off, like, in high school cliques. I don't know what was going on with that. Yeah. But other than that, the convention was awesome. Uh, well, I think too they had a lot less because of COVID and stuff. They had to cut out, and I think maybe a lot of people maybe they were so used to the convention, and then when they got where they you know to the drive-in thing, maybe they were off put by it and kind of just standing around like we were. I mean, um, there was nobody at that though. Yeah, I think it was just a lot of things going on. And I think coming back to a con setting and getting used to all of it again you know I, I figure a lot of these people probably haven't been out since shit you know COVID hit so they it's probably sure. one of their first big gathering since then <laughs> right know. exactly yeah so oh, like I said I had a great time I, 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 I love it I hopefully 
we will get it invited back. I, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, and looking forward to uh, the announcements to come for Horrorhound on March 25th through the 27th. Same place, Sharonville Convention Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, had a blast there, especially Saturday, and uh, just love being around it. You know, I, I like the vibe usually of a Horrorhound and um, you know, they always bring like killer guests and I mean, Saturday was great, man. We yeah. we had a really good time. I, I just think Friday was just kind of a mixed bag of folks. It has nothing to do with them. It was just, you know, I've got I suffer from PTSD, so it's like you know, I it was just I, I was kind of just rattled at, at Friday, but yeah, everything except for you know meeting the the clerks, cats, and, and Robert. Thank you to you and and uh, but anything outside of that, and the dealer's room was awesome, but. Just some of the other guests there were just kind of got me rattled. It has nothing to do with Horrorhound. It's just me. It's just how right. Dr. West is. Yeah, and you know, um, either way, it was it was very cool. And I think this next one's going to be way better <laughs> because maybe they need to get this one over to just, you know, there was a lot of stuff. This was basically the convention that should have taken place in 2020 and we would have had a whole different one this year. Right. Well, I mean, so, COVID's not their fault. They did right. the best they could. I thought it was a yeah, yeah. But the I think that was part of it, too, was a lot of these people were just, you know, either, you know, just sitting on tickets from 2020 and, like, photo ops, so they were just raring to get back <laughs> into it. And, you know, I think this next one coming up is going to be a lot bigger and better and more prepared. And uh, I hope so. Because this one, I think, and it even felt that way, was more of like, it didn't seem like, wow, we're all back and everything's back to normal. It seemed more like a test run to me in certain ways. And, you know, I think hopefully they learned a lot from it. And uh, not to say it wasn't ran well or anything like that, but I think they had to work out a lot of kinks in this one to better prepare for the one in March, which is why they're doing the one in March is because this one went so well and... um, they're they're definitely probably gonna, you know, uh, have a bigger and better con in March, and I think it'll be well right. worth going to this one too, because of you know all the practice they had with this one and then handling the COVID protocols and uh, all that kind of shit. You know, it's just a different atmosphere in that regard. So, yeah, I think they'll be a lot more prepared this time and. Uh, make things bigger and better and it'll be a little more uh, maybe a lot more stuff going on you know hopefully we get looking forward to next time uh, bigger and better Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode and uh, consider attending and if you guys are already going then you know you'll see us there I guess Um, hope to be there we'll see if that happens absolutely so uh, yeah Horrorhound 2021 recap over and looking forward to March. So, thank you guys for listening and stay fucking gory. Deck your store with this festive wall or window poster.
lighten up <laughs> with this new 3D media light box insert. <laughs> and how about a cheery, bigger than death, war standy? <laughs> Life, death, get it? <laughs> but that's just the beginning of Freddy's Nightmare Before Christmas. I got national trade and consumer air. I got a monster hit TV series. He has no mercy and no equal. Now no one sleeps. Get ready. Your wildest dreams will come true. How sweet. Fresh meat. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 4. The Dream Master. <laughs> <laughs>